0: Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, the podcast.
1: Sure you recognize that voice. Welcome inside. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including the former Duke guard Cassius Stanley, hoping to hear his name called tonight. NBA draft is 12 hours away and he'll join us in 30 minutes. We are going four wide instead of running the three man weave. We are going four wide this morning. With Keyshawn Johnson, Bart Scott, the 11 year NFL veteran, Jay Williams is joining us as well. Of course, this is Jay's show. He's getting ready for the draft tonight. We'll get ready to get Jay's thoughts. You can hear the clapping right now. Go ahead, Keith. 4Y four,
2: four with three other guys clearing it out. You guys go deep, they get <laughs> it
3: to me underneath. <laughs> We're just decoys out there. <laughs> come on, Roscoe. I'll come on for the it depends, extra point. I'll come on for the it extra. depends, Keith. How much are Bart and I getting paid? Yeah. If you get paid a lot, I'll run any route you want me to, brother. You know so what y'all I
2: mean? Gonna, y'all going to get paid? All NFL players get paid a lot. You're not going to get paid more than me, though, because I'm the guy. When he comes Keys. to clearing it out, y'all take care Spoken of business. Spoken like a true wide receiver. Way to go, Roscoe Jenkins, well, team Mar- me. Or Mar- his name
3: is first on the show, so we get it. You know,
2: we get it. Me, me Sean, as they like to call me, for those that don't know me. But anyway.
1: Right, and then we can replace Zendaya with Zubin. I'll come on for the extra point. If you're old enough to remember Zendaya. Well, he has a son kicking at Arizona State. Yes, he does. Yes, he does one of the good guys in college football. All right, so here's the deal. You heard Jerry's voice, right? Essentially saying, look, we got two wins and we got about a 5% chance to win the division, but I don't care about those numbers. The numbers I care about are zero, as in we have about 25,000-plus fans attend each and every game 100,000-seat stadium so they can socially distance easier. Jerry claims one-third of all NFL fans that have gone through the turnstile this year have gone to Dallas Cowboys games at their home stadium, AT&T Stadium. So here's Jerry on his weekly spot. Yes, owner with a weekly spot on a sports talk radio station, 105.3 I I The Fan, the in Dallas. This is Jerry Jones essentially saying, look, there has really been no downside for anyone to come to a Cowboy game health-wise.
4: That's not being insensitive to the fact that we've got our COVID and outbreak, and some people say, well, maybe it is, but... Uh, No, not when you're doing it as safe as we are and not when you're having the results we're having. We've had uh, literally, literally, we've had no one report that they've had a contact and gotten uh, any contact with COVID from coming to our football game. No one.
2: Jason Williams, our COVID expert, take it away. (laughs) Tell me what you think.
3: Uh, Key, why say anything at all? Why do you have to brag about that there have been zero COVID cases at AT&T Stadium? Like, wh- Why why, say, hey, by the way, we had 30,000 fans versus Steelers? Why come out and say anything? Why just not? Be quiet. Let the numbers speak for itself. If it continues to improve, keep it going. But to come out and to gloat, especially when you look at the news, you know I'm all over the news on this kind of stuff, Key. One million COVID cases in the state of Texas. One million. So the the timing of stuff like this for Jerry Jones, and I like Jerry. I think Jerry's smart. I just don't know why you have to feel you have to be braggadocious about something like that at this current time when obviously society is going through something that looks a little bit different than what is just only being reflected in AT&T Stadium.
2: Well, because it is Jerry, and that's who Jerry is, you're not going to change the way Jerry approaches things. Zubin led by saying he's an owner with a radio show. I mean, like, think about it. That's Jerry. Jerry, that's just who Jerry is. I Look, I wouldn't have a problem, much like you said, Jay, I wouldn't have a problem with it if we didn't have a million cases In in Texas was one of the hottest hotbeds going. Like, I wouldn't have a problem with it. If he thinks that he wanted to increase the fan base, I, I wouldn't have a problem. But when you have COVID cases spiking all over the nation the way that it is, it's just problematic, and and I understand what Jerry is thinking and what he's saying, but he also need to be trying to just get a damn win. That's, That's right. what he need to really be concentrating on.
0: I mean, he's concentrating on how many people are leaving and not having cases from him, but how many are people are coming in with COVID and potentially spreading it to his workers and also each other. Um, I think it's just he doesn't have – you know, he need to fly the weather kite and kind of see what the temperature of the world is. And know that this isn't the proper time to say that, especially as people are trying to worry about, you know, trying to be able to experience Thanksgiving coming up and, and, and seeing how many family members they're going to be away from. And you talk about they're going to be hosting the Thanksgiving game, and you don't want that to be something where the families think that they're coming together. But then, you know, we see some of these super spreader events that's been happening. We hope that, you know, he can continue to keep them socially distanced.
2: And, that's and in terms of uh, contact tracing, Yes, there may be Cowboy fans that are in place that are in Texas, but how about the people, Jay, that are coming? Like Pittsburgh Steelers fans exactly. dominated the stadium when they were there, but all of them are not, aren't from Texas, I can promise you that. They got on planes and came from oh, cars, yeah. whatever, however they got to the stadium from different places. You don't know the contact tracing on that.
3: I feel you, Keith. All I'm saying to fans, just make sure you you read the fine print on the back of your tickets Mm -hmm. that don't make the Cowboys or any team liable when you go to games. So I'm just saying, as we increase all these fans going to games, you sign that, essentially, that agreement that says, hey, I bought this ticket, no team liable." Okay, cool. Just know that.
1: Yes. Fair point there by Jay. Again, it'll be the Washington football team coming into Dallas on Thanksgiving for the traditional game. The Cowboys always host, as Bart has mentioned. A lot of speculation there about COVID and everything Jerry's doing. But this is more than speculation. Jay, I want to get your thoughts on this, because obviously your favorite team is in the NFC East right there battling it out with the Cowboys. Just one game separating your Giants and Dallas in the win column. Big news for the Cowboys. They'll be playing at Minnesota on Sunday. Andy Dalton had entered the NFL's concussion protocol October 25th. Then he went on the reserve COVID list on November 3rd. But on Monday, after three weeks off from his injury, he practiced for the Cowboys with Mike McCarthy saying the guy's a pro, looks good, and if everything works out, still a long way to go to get to Sunday, he likely will be the starter when they take on the resurgent Minnesota Vikings. What do you think about the return of Dalton and a perhaps – reversal of fortunes for the Cowboys with clearly their best option now healthy and perhaps ready to go.
3: You know what Zubin I'm taking the Cowboys to win the NFC East. You know why? Cause I don't like, I don't like all of a sudden everybody jumping on this giant bandwagon. I don't like it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Keep talking about how we're not that good. Keep talking about how we don't win games. We, we oh, find a way that. to lose him down the last second key. You know what I mean? I don't want to start having everybody jump on the Giants bandwagon, Bart. You know what happens when this happens? All of a sudden, I'm going to start seeing Danny Dimes get tight again. The we're mush. not going to start making, we're not going to start making catches. He's going to start fumbling the ball. So I'm staying with the Cowboys like my original pick to win the division. If that hopefully leads to my Giants winning the division.
2: So you're trying to do some reverse psychology. Exactly, Key. You know what I'm doing. All right, I I get it. It, it, Look, the Giants have played well all season long under Joe Judge, who may be the best coach within the division. Hmm. I mean, when you look at it, even though Ron Rivera's gone to a Super Bowl, different team, different situation in this uh, respect, I, I, I don't know that the Cowboys will win the division. I don't know that the Giants will win the division. I don't know if the Eagles will win the division. For all we know, they may lose every game coming forward, and the Redskins, or the football team, may all of a sudden emerge and win the division. Who knows? It's a horrible division. Six or seven games should get it done. Wow. I, tell you, I tell you what, when
0: you look at the Washington football team, I believe they have the best quarterback. And what a hell of a story that is for Alex mm-hmm. Smith and how well he's yep. been playing. If he can eliminate the turnovers, they're going to be in every game. The problem is, mm-hmm. I think they have the toughest schedule remaining. No, so I, I think this this division won't be won. I think it'll be lost, and if it's going to be lost, it's going to be lost by the Philadelphia Eagles. There's going to be ramifications, and there's going to be tremors that's going to have, you know have effects within this division no judge Joe, Joe judge has his team playing the best. I've seen the Giants you know be successful with being the underdog. Can they be successful with being the favorite? That's the problem because that's a different type of psychology when you start feeling yourself and having an expectation, not knowing that you've got to put the same work in.
2: Can you feel yourself in this division? Well, you can feel
0: yourself after you won two in a row right and you start feeling good about yourself and all of a sudden you don't pay attention to detail. you don't come off that same vigor of being you know hated on or being. You know, you start hearing the papers and the tabloids in New York starting to say good things about you. Can you handle going into the game not being pissed off at somebody?
1: Fair enough, fair enough. It's all good points. And we'll get back to the Cowboy discussion in just a little bit. But first, a little NBA on tap. The draft is less than 12 hours away tonight on ESPN Television and Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Commercial insurance through Progressive protects your business and your dream. Choose from over 30 coverage options at Progressive Commercial. Dot com. Let's talk draft. <laughs> Cassius
0: Stanley, he's one of those relentless guys. Stanley, <laughs> Stanley
4: look out. Oh, I love him country. Poked away. Two on one for the Blue Devils. Oh!
1: And that's really where the drama begins for most people. Look, if you're talking any NBA draft, NFL draft, NHL draft, MLB draft, the big question is always who's number one. That's what most people want to know. But this draft has a little bit of a wrinkle to it. The Wolves do have the first pick. Let's bring in Mike Schmitz, ESPN NBA draft analyst. He is as knee deep on this as anyone. He puts out some amazing videos. Just Google them; they're so informational. You'll be ready for tonight's draft with just a couple of clicks. Good morning, Mike. Uh, the Warriors have the number two pick. That's where I want to start. They're off a 15 and 50 season. Steph will be healthy. Clay hasn't played since Game 6 of the 2019 Finals. You get those two guys and add somebody. So what would be the best fit for the Warriors, knowing that soon enough they will be back and looking totally healthy?
5: Well, the best fit is to trade the pick, honestly. I don't think any of these top three prospects are going to be able to be the savior for the Warriors or take them back to title contention. Just to ask any rookie to do that I think is a lot, especially – A guy like James Wiseman, who by the time he plays his first NBA game, it's going to have been an entire year since he's even played a competitive basketball game. So he's the name that you hear the most tied to the Warriors just because, you know, they have a little bit of a hole up front. He would bring them some athleticism, a rim runner, a guy who can be a lob catcher, a defensive anchor for them. Um, but I would really expect them to canvas the market still up until you know they're on the clock tonight and just see what they can get, whether it's moving back and getting a an more NBA-ready guy who, who's a little bit cheaper uh, in an additional asset or just trying to move out all together, but I think that they honestly need to take a best player available approach here and, and look at you know a guy like LaMelo Ball even though it's not the most natural fit right now. You know, We've heard Bob Myers say it. They're not drafting just for right now. They're drafting for the future and they can get a cheap center in free agency. They've done that year after year. We've seen it with guys like JaVale McGee, DeMarcus Cousins. They've gotten good minutes out of Kevon Looney uh, and so there are some good options in this free agent class when you look Get Robin Lopez, uh, Mark Gasol, Nerlens Noel. So I think they can find a serviceable center. But the name you do hear the most is James Wiseman.
3: Mike, last night on the pre-draft show, when you and I were talking, I said that I, I thought it was imperative. The reason why they did a sign and trade for the Warriors with D'Angelo Russell was to have another max contract on the book so they can use for an opportunistic time, just like right now. You have the second pick in the draft. You have Andrew Wiggins that can be used as package collateral in a trade. Who gives you more value for a better trade for the Warriors, LaMelo Ball or James Wiseman?
5: I think LaMelo Ball, honestly. And James Wiseman, like I said, he's intriguing, okay, long-term. I think he's got a chance to be really, really good. But it's hard to find a six foot seven, six foot eight point guard who can make every pass like Lamelo can, who has that level of creativity, that star power. Sure, there are the questions about all the stops that that he's been at, uh, whether it's Lithuania, Spire Academy, out in Australia. I've been there to see him play at pretty much every stop, um, and there's always been that that circus around him, right? Um, but I just think that his upside is so much higher, and like I said, you can find centers in, in today's game. So if you think. James Wiseman is the next Anthony Davis okay then I get it like if that's your evaluation of James Wiseman take him he's gonna be an alien just like AD stepping out shooting threes handling the ball but I just don't really see it that way so I think that LaMelo has a little bit of a higher trade value especially when you look at a team like New York you look at a team like Detroit later on in this top 10 those are teams that really need a point guard of the future and he could be exactly that
2: Mike Schmidt giving a straight talk brought to you by straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. We're talking about LaMelo ball, but a guy that I'm not hearing about a lot, Mike is from Europe and Killian Hayes. There's no conversation really swirling around him. Is that because we don't know much about him here?
5: He's a guy we've been evaluating since he was probably 15, 16 years old. Um, he was at the Jordan Brand International game in New York. His dad played at Penn State. Uh, he actually was born in Florida. So scouts are very well versed with him. Um, you know, he's become kind of a, an internet darling. You know, I don't know if NBA teams are as high on him as the internet is, but one of the youngest players in the draft, 19 years old, 6'5, lefty. He's got a great body. He's really, really good in pick and roll, still evolving as a shooter. But he had a great season in Germany this past year uh, for a club named Um. They play in the Euro Cup and the German First Division. And so I think he's one of those guys who has kind of a a wide range in this draft. He could go as high as seven and he could go as low as maybe 14 or 15. But I think he's going to need a little bit of time. Like I would love for him to go somewhere like the Suns uh, where he could sit behind a Chris Paul. like Goran Dragic did with Steve Nash. So long-term, he's a really intriguing prospect. How come we're not seeing
2: a lot of players talked about from the big programs, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, this year? It's kind of like outside of maybe a Cassius Stanley from Duke that is probably, and you guys, both Jay and you could tell me, is probably the most athletic guy in this entire draft, probably the most athletic guy to come in the NBA since Vince Carter.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah, athletically, he's a joke. Um, just head-at-the-rim type of athlete. You know, Kentucky has Tyrese Maxey in terms of big programs. I think that's a name to look at. Um, you know, this is a guy who's, I think, going to be better in the NBA than he was in college. I think similar to Tyler Hero, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Devin Booker, guys who were a little bit w- more one-dimensional in college and then have really expanded their game in the NBA. I think we'll see something similar with Tyrese Maxey. He shoots it with range. He's really, really energetic. Um, and then Vernon Carey, you know, the the big out of Duke he's kind of a perplexing prospect because he's one of the most productive bigs we've seen at that age in ACC history, Um, but the game is kind of trending away from guys like that, and I think with the struggles of a Jaleel Okafor, teams are trying to figure out is a guy who's more interior-based who kind of struggles defensively, how does he fit in today's game? So uh, this year, not as many prospects with those top programs, but next year, it's loaded. Like, next year's draft is ridiculous. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, 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 without a consensus, number one, is it just because the talent isn't in this draft or is it because we didn't have March Madness and they really couldn't introduce themselves to the casual fan? And if that's the case, who's somebody that could surprise us by maybe being overdrafted or, or shoot up to the top of the draft that we didn't really anticipate?
5: Yeah, I think it's more a product of just these top three guys and kind of their path. You know, James Wiseman only playing the three games. LaMelo Ball playing the 12 games out in Australia. Obviously, we were able to see Anthony Edwards up close and personal, and he really, really showed his talent. Um, But, you know, the more you talk to scouts, executives, GMs, it seems like one third thinks that Edwards is the best prospect. The other third thinks that Ball is the best prospect. And then the other third thinks it's Wiseman. So it's completely split. There's no Zion Williamson. uh, There's no John Morant in this draft. But the name to keep an eye on, and Jay Will mentioned it yesterday, is Patrick Williams. Um, You know, I've had so many people ask me about him over the the last few weeks I think he could go as high as four to the Chicago Bulls or as low as seven to the Detroit Pistons and he's a big physically gifted wing 230 pounds 6'8 7 foot wingspan he's the second youngest player in the draft reminds you a little bit of like an OG Ananobi with the upside of maybe a Jalen Brown so he's the guy who's risen the most Um, and then Kyra Lewis as well out of Alabama he's getting some lottery looks uh, De'Aaron Fox type of speed demon in the open court
3: Mike, crazy for Patrick Williams, a guy that can come off the bench averaging nine points and about three rebounds could be a top six pick in the draft, right?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of circumstantial, honestly. Like, the more you get away from what actually happened in the season, right? That was seven, eight, nine months ago since scouts have really seen these players. So you don't look as much at the resume. You, don't, you, you kind of lose sight of what they did over the course of 28, 30 games, and you start thinking in your head, man. How much could this kid have progressed over the last eight, nine months? What can he become? And when you look at him through that prism, then you see a guy who could be a big-time wing in the NBA. So it's crazy to see kind of his rise. He's a player we had projected, I believe, in kind of the middle of the first round coming into the season. Didn't have a huge year. Didn't even start a game for Florida State. But great program. They've churned out these wings year after year. Jonathan Isaac. They have Devin Vassell as well this year. So you know, I think he's kind of in that next group to have a major impact.
3: Mike, take me to the eighth pick in the draft, the New York Knicks, okay? Yeah. Everybody's talking about they should grab Russell Westbrook. I'm, I'm, t- I'm trying to tell them don't do that. <laughs> don't take the shiny object. Hold for it. Like with the eighth pick in the draft, do you see them trying to trade up? Uh, will guys like Obi Toppin, will guys like Tyrese Halliburton, will they even be around by number eight? What do you see the Knicks doing?
5: Yeah, I'm sure they've tried to trade up. Um, you know, whether that's all the way up to to four, five, six, um, and try to nab one of those two. Uh, I do think that one of them will be there uh, when it's all said and done. Whether that's Obi Toppin or Halliburton, I think Halliburton is the best fit. Um, you know, RJ Barrett is a guy who's really at, at his best with the ball in his hands. He can play pick and roll. He can get downhill. And Halliburton is one of the guards in this draft who can play on the ball or off the ball. He's a ball mover. He doesn't need a bunch of volume to have an impact. Shoots over forty percent from three. High IQ player, and he would be great in the bright lights. Like his personality, um, he's very, very charismatic. So I love that fit for them. If he makes it to eight, if not, I think Obi Toppin, not a bad consolation prize either. You know. He's He's basically from out there. His dad was a streetball legend in New York. I think his family would love to have him back in Madison Square Garden.
1: Great stuff. Just a reminder, Tyrese Halliburton at Iowa State and Obi Toppin, if that name sounds familiar. Bard mentioned not having March Madness. He was the National Player of the Year at Dayton. Last thing for Mike Schmidt, our ESPN NBA draft analyst, as we get set for the draft tonight at 8 Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN Television, Mike When the last NBA season started, I know it seems like 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. but when the 2019-2020 season started, there were 108 players from foreign countries on Mm -hmm. NBA rosters. The game is global. The best international prospect this year seems to be this guy from Israel named Denny Advia. Tell me about him.
5: Yeah, so Denny is really exactly what you're looking for in today's game. He's a six foot 10 wing who can shift really anywhere from one to four on both ends of the floor. And I I call it kind of like a queen on the chessboard, right? That's the key versatile position that every team is looking for. And he comes to the NBA with over 100 games of experience. He's the youngest MVP in Israeli league history. Uh, He played a solid role at the EuroLeague level, the same league that Luka Doncic came out of. He's played against players like Nikola Mirotic, Alex Abrinas. He played with Amari Stoudemire. So he's coming from an NBA environment, a very pressure packed environment. I mean, he's the most heralded Israeli prospect really in the history of that country. Um, His dad was an ex Yugoslavia national team player. So he's got that kind of interesting blend of Israeli background and Serbian background. He's a competitor. I think he's a day one starter in the NBA.
1: And right now on the big board, we do have him at number four. You and the experts have deemed him a top five pick. We'll see when his name is called tonight. The draft is less than 12 hours away. Covered 730 Eastern ESPN television and radio where you can hear and watch Mike Schmitz and Jay Williams. Mike, thanks very much. I know this is like Christmas morning for you. This is your biggest day of the year. Have fun tonight.
5: Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Great Mm -hmm. stuff
1: from Mike Schmitz. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin with Bart Scott, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests appear on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Key mentioned Cassius Stanley, one of the most athletic guys he has seen. Cassius is going to join us here in eight minutes, going from Duke to the pros, just like Jay. And we'll talk to Cassius here coming up at the bottom of the hour. Still to come, what exactly does Cassius say about prepping for the draft in a pandemic Something that this year's draft class has had to do that nobody else ever has. The challenges of doing all that straight from the Duke
6: superstar. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P unsportsmanlike. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America.
3: so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in
6: love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's l-e-c-t-r-i-c ebikes.com.
1: That's Cassius Stanley's name. You heard it all over college basketball. One of the more prolific dunkers in the game last year. If you're watching on ESPN News, you're seeing evidence of that. For sure, exciting athletic young guy from Duke, hoping to hear his name called tonight sooner rather than later. And it's a pleasure on one of the great nights so far of his very young athletic career that he spends a few minutes with us. It's going to be a magical night when he puts on that cap and uh, says, hey, look, I'm in the NBA. Cassius, good morning. Thanks for being with us. First thing I got to ask you, you and the rest of the draft class for the first time in the history of the NBA draft are planning and prepping and being evaluated during the midst of a pandemic what has that been like?
4: Um Yeah, it's been it's been pretty crazy. Um I think the biggest adjustment has just been, you know, patience. Um, knowing that eventually there's gonna be a draft day. Um eventually you're gonna get drafted, but until then, you know, keep working and you're working for the season also, you know, I just working for the draft.
2: What is it like for you though, Cash is every single day since she returned back home? That you have to wake up at four o'clock in the morning to go work out. As you're on your way to go work out now, what is that like at five o'clock West Coast time?
4: Um, it's pretty normal. I was doing this in high school. Um, I was doing it before before class. Uh, I had to do this, didn't go to class all day and sit there and you know try not to fall asleep. So now I'm just chilling. I just do it and come back and fall asleep.
2: Tell us a little bit about the series that you have been going on called Day in a Life that you have going on right now.
4: Yeah, um it's a Facebook content series and I'm basically just giving people an inside look on you know what I do in the morning, what I how I wake up, what I eat, um you know what I do during training and then pretty much that's it. Cash,
3: tell me about some of your workouts. Obviously, you know, when you do these workouts, you travel, you go to a different location, you work out against certain individuals. How, who have you worked out with and, and who has felt the best after you've been done with that workout?
4: Um, well, this time we haven't been able to travel. So, you know, teams have come to us. Um, and during that time, it's kind of just basically it's like a pro day each workout because you already know what you're going to do with your trainer. Um, they just come in and watch you.
2: Having played in Cameron Indoor, what what is that feeling like that you now may have to enter into a situation with no fans at all in that type
4: of atmosphere? No, that's crazy. I mean, I I, I think you know Jay will knows that that, that you know Cameron is crazy. Cameron is you a know, you know special place. So I've never been in somewhere that's you know been empty. So that's going to be a huge adjustment.
3: Cash, I watched you play so many times, man. You are. You are honestly one of the most athletic cats I think I've ever seen. Who I have to ask you, who would you compare your athletic ability to?
4: Um, I probably say Zach Levine. Um, I think we both have that you know quick, springy off one foot, um, and we kind of glide. So I'd say I'd say that's a, the best you know comparison.
3: Does that mean I'm going to see you in a dunk contest coming up next year? Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs>
4: Oh, you
1: will. You'll see me. Oh, okay. okay.
3: Magic
2: Johnson tweeted out, Cash, is that you are a gym rat and will be a better NBA prospect, a player better yet than a college player. What is that like to get that type of praise from Magic, a legendary Hall of Famer, one of the greatest players to ever do it?
4: Uh, It's super special. I mean, me growing up in L.A., you know, Magic Johnson is L.A. royalty. So, you know, when I saw that, that just got me excited. And, you know, I was extremely grateful.
2: Everybody knows about your super freak athletic ability, at least I do, having known you since you were born. What what made you choose basketball over baseball when you were a phenomenal prospect as a youth?
4: I mean, honestly, it was just it was just too boring for me. I mean the <laughs> basketball was just moving so it was moving so quickly. Um and basketball was just high paced and it was fun. Um, but honestly, the more and more I grow and the more and more I've gotten older, the more I look back and, you know, think sometimes maybe I should have stuck with baseball a little bit longer.
0: You know, we, when we make the transition from the college ranks to the pros, you know, we have a lot of holes in our game. So during these private workouts and, you know, since you've been in the lab, what's the most, um, you know, growth that you've seen in your game and what will people be surprised to see when they see you on the basketball court for the first
4: time? Um, you know, I've just definitely been trying to get my, my jump shot more consistent. Um I think I shot it pretty well this past year from three, but I think I have to be a little bit more consistent. And then um just a lot a lot about my body too. I wanted to get my body stronger, I wanted to be able to, you know, withstand eighty eighty plus games. So um I think people will be surprised how you know how much stronger I've gotten and how much better I shoot it.
2: Cassius, tell us and tell the viewers. Some of the things and some of the players, of course, social distancing that you've been working out with getting prepared for the NBA draft. Some of the NBA guys.
4: Um. Well, me and Russell Westbrook have a really good relationship. Um, he's been like a mentor to me the past two years. So uh, we were working out for about a month and a half before the bubble. Um, and then, you know, when I started really getting ready for draft prep, I was working out with Tyrese Maxey, another you know, draft prospect. We've been going at it, um, like, I, like you said, at five in the morning. And then uh, when we were playing, it was guys like you know Andrew Wiggins was in there, uh, Tristan Thompson, uh, Kevin Durant pulled up a couple of times. Uh, it's just a lot of pros. So uh, obviously with social distancing, but th- those are those are a few names.
2: Can't wait to tonight, man. I'm excited for you.
3: Appreciate you. Indeed. Good luck, Cassie.
1: Yes, Cassius, we'll see you tonight. Thank you very much. One of the great nights of this young guy's athletic career. And he spent a few minutes, like I said, with us today from Duke to the association. And Jay and Key have raved about his athleticism. Jay, I want to ask you this real quick, uh, because obviously this is going to be a great night, November 18th, 2020, for Cassius Stanley. No matter what happens in his NBA career, he'll be able to look back at it. I want to flash back to June 26th. 2002 that was the night that you were drafted why don't you take us through your draft night experience it's a once in a lifetime moment for these guys
3: man it was uh it was just since golden state had the third pick around that time and i have been very close with their gm so we were talking a lot i was obviously close with jerry reinsdorf and jerry kraus who I've talked about multiple times, have a relationship with. So I didn't really find out until, I mean, the wee hours of the morning before the draft, like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, I got a knock on the door from my agent, Bill Duffy, that said, hey, look, we got Chicago. I think Chicago's going to lock in, take you with the second pick in the draft. And then the biggest thing for me, you know, Key and Bar, I'd love to kind of hear what you guys think about this too, is when actually going to the draft and... Hearing my name being called by David Stern and going up there on the podium and be like, please Lord, don't trip on national TV. She's about to shake David Stern's hand. But <laughs> shaking his hand, Zubin, and looking at my parents, mm. and like and for me, I went to this place, I was like, damn, like, I'm a millionaire now. Like mm. I never had nothing before in my life. My mom worked two jobs. My dad was working early in the morning every single day, always talking like we it didn't I never feel like I made it. It was like, yo, we made it. Like My family, everybody, we all made it. And then that night to go party, my mom sabotaged my party. Like I had a girl from my mom invited like five of my ex-girlfriends. Jeez, Christina Aguilera. Oh, Key, it was vicious. Like Christina Aguilera was there. Like all these people were there. Everybody was popping. I don't remember what happened. All I know is I was on a PJ the next day going out to Chicago and then obviously meeting Jerry Reinsdorf, meeting my teams, going through all the media. It just seemed like something that you never feel like can happen to you Until you're in it, and then that's the norm. Like that becomes your life, which is so hard for people just to turn and become somebody. You know what I mean? When your whole life you just been a guy who's had to be blue collar and work, and now now you that dude. Well, you that guy. Uh,
2: everything is great about that story except you lied. But I'm gonna leave that alone. Wait, wait, wait. What, did lie lie lie. what did I lie about? What did I lie well, he about? He said he was a millionaire when he instantly got drafted. Well, you was a damn millionaire when you went to Duke. But we gonna leave that alone. <laughs> oh, oh, hold on, hold on, like, 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 you're, like, we gonna leave that alone. <laughs> I'm talking
3: you're, about you're, millions you're, I can you're, flaunt in front of your face, Key. You know what I mean? I can it now.
2: Hey,
0: Jay, USC got envelopes too. Don't 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 let Key fool you. No, It's
2: a you know, it's a it's a great feeling, man, when you know that things is getting ready to change forever when you're drafted. There's no question about it, Zubin. Being drafted as the number one overall pick to the New York Jets in 1996, Mm -hmm. having that conversation days leading up to the draft about where you're going to be, what you're going to do, all of those sort of things. But for me, that process started the moment that the Rose Bowl was over. Mm -hmm. Like January 2nd, I instantly knew Oh, yeah, I'm good. No matter where I get drafted at, whether it was one or 30, 32 at the time. At the time. Or 30, yeah, it's like, is it one, 32, 56? I know I will have made more money in that period of time than I ever had in my entire life. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, okay, the rest is <laughs> the cherry on top. But then as you get to lead into the draft, the process, the Jets started playing games about drafting me. And I said famously, Shameless plug for my book, just give me the damn ball. In my book, I said that I would rather go to the Jacksonville Jaguars at number two than do a pre-draft deal with the New York Jets, which would have been a bad deal, just to go number one overall. So we basically told the Jets the night before, don't draft me because we're not doing a pre-draft deal. Um. And they drafted me anyway. Mm. Because they wanted to get, your receiver, you're not a quarterback, we're not going to pay this, we're not going to, you know, we was like, then don't draft me. I'm good. I'll go I'll go play at sawgrass. Even though I've never played golf Lee, before. Leave, leave it up <laughs> leave it up to me and Zubin and be the
0: common folk up here because I had a $500 <laughs> signing bonus pretty much probably the same thing as Zubin got got as well. So when the draft was over with me, I was pissed off and what I was doing is I was making a list of names of people that I believed I was better than. Mm. I said, "Listen, I can't wait to show up to Baltimore so I can prove to all these guys that I'm that I got stand power. Like I said before, it's not about your first contract, it's the second one that validates you. When are you not pissed off though? I don't know. I, I you, ain't, That's why football is That's why I football.
2: told you <laughs> earlier today. You don't play football no more. Bring it down.
1: New flash,
0: Carl. We ain't never been
1: friends. No doubt. Those pre-draft deals are now done. Everybody gets slotted, but that was an interesting situation for Reggie Bush, Mario Williams, Keyshawn Johnson. You name it. By the way, last thing, that No 20, sleep either. That 2002 Zero draft? sleep. Zero sleep.
3: Yao Ming, number one. Jay Will, number don't, two. Don't remind me, Zubin. You know, Key's up here with the first pick on the draft, and <laughs> I got a 7'6 Chinese guy in my draft. Are you kidding me?
2: Carlos boozer was better stop
3: with the boozer jokes come on key (laughs) and then right after
1: his teammate mike dunleavy jr so jay got to share it with his family and one of his great teammates at duke on the way jay's got some breaking news on that big deal we're all expecting to happen that could rock the foundation of the nba that may not be happening after all passion
0: drive and patience
1: Knows a little something about basketball herself, weighing in on what's going on in Houston. Then the NBA's best insider, Woj, and that last voice you heard, Jay Will, who's with us this morning. He'll be with us till the top of the hour. We'll see him tomorrow morning for some post-draft coverage as well. But, Jay, all of this Houston, Brooklyn, Harden reunited with Durant talk, throw Kyrie into the mix. What's the very latest you're hearing?
3: So, Zubin, what I've been hearing from some of my sources in the Houston area is that Regardless of whether James Harden wants to go to Brooklyn or not, regardless of him making statements or Russell Westbrook not wanting to be there, that Raphael Stone, the first year GM, is probably not going to let this happen. He's going to hold James Harden and Russell Westbrook hostage, supposedly, to make sure that he can extract as much value as possible from any franchise that they decide to do a deal with. Now, Woj said yesterday, last night, during our pre-draft show, that you know they have not engaged in talks with the Brooklyn Nets yet. So the question is, how many assets does Houston need in order to make that deal go through? And do they have leverage by holding on to James Harden and Russell Westbrook until the season starts and let them actually play throughout the season to essentially give teams the flexibility to give them more in return until they feel comfortable with, Hey, we're willing to accept all these assets for a trade of this sort.
0: Mm. AJ, I want to ask you something more on the Westbrook side. You know, I've been, I know it's been kind of reports kind of floating out there a little bit about maybe John Wall in exchange for Russell Westbrook, understanding that, you know, John Wall is a couple of years um, younger, but the contract is kind of similar. Um, what do you think as far as fit knowing that Bradley bill seems to play better without john wall on on the on the court and also you know what's the difference in in play and chemistry as far as fitting from a bas- basketball standpoint
3: well look I, you know on my end i've heard that Bradley bill has great a uh, great tightness with ownership in DC. I actually see John Wall being moved before I receive Bradley Beal, unless Bradley Beal told them he wants to be out. Which look, there's some teams out there that he could be a pretty good fit with. But as it relates to Russell Westbrook and John Wall, I, I still, if I were Houston, I know that the trade market for Russell Westbrook isn't as strong as it might have been three years ago but i'm still trying to extract as much value. So, let's play this out. Key, like you and i, we're Raphael Stone, we're Steven Silas, we're all part of the Houston management. Like we're going to have a season in which we aren't going to be that good anyway. So, if if we don't feel like whatever team that we're potentially going to negotiate with is willing to give as much as we feel like we deserve for James Harden or Russell Westbrook, you have to pay them their contract anyway. Make them play. Well, make see, them if play.
2: I'm, if i'm if i'm if i'm the coach, and I'm Silas, I don't want to have an unhappy player, let alone two unhappy players, no matter what the contracts are like. I don't want to make my job harder. Not that they would be unprofessional. I just don't want to take that on. You know what I'm saying, Jay? Like, I would try and get management to move them for whatever at this point because if they don't want to be there – it makes my job harder as a head coach to try to get them to buy in to what I'm teaching. Everyone's not Chris Paul. Everyone's not going to approach it the same way, especially if you know how we are as athletes. Once our minds are made up about something, that's what we go with. If, if James Harden heart and mind is made up that he wants to be in Brooklyn to try to force him to stay in Houston, that's not a good idea. Final minute, Jay.
3: But I, I, no, I, I'm with you, Zub. I, and I, I hear what you're saying, Key, but at the same time, if you're ownership or if you're management, you may not want to be there, but I'm going to make sure that before you get moved, I'm getting the most value for what I feel like an MVP of his caliber deserves. My back hurt. Oh, hey, it don't man. matter. you back, back hurt. You're hurt, But you know, hurt. Oh. Then, then that becomes a narrative on you. Well, right? it, didn't Which be, I understand. it didn't become the narrative on A.D., so Jay, Jay it, we it did though, Jay, Key, a little bit. It did though, Key. He got it, to his
2: place that he wanted to go to, did. Jay.
3: Yeah, it took Rich Paul in order to make some of these deals happen, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a nice sight for AD in in New Orleans during that time he was there. It got Man, I ain't bravery. worried about New Orleans. I'm Jay, in L.A. That's all, Jay, folks.
0: Jay, Jay, Jay Weezy, I guess what I'm asking is the, the, the Bradley Bill and John Wall, it seems like that's a move that can improve both teams. It's, it looks like maybe John Wall would be a better fit because he can shoot and he's a different player than Westbrook. But it looks like maybe. Bradley Bills need that type of pit bull. Maybe in Washington
1: makes them a contender. Back to talk camp next.
0: Thanks for listening to Keyshawn J Will and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at six Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.